This is an ABC podcast. This is the Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. Good afternoon. Annie Brown is my name. Happy New Year. We've made it to the year 2023. Feels pretty good. Now, 2022 will surely be remembered as a year of rain, water and flooding, but also maybe biosecurity, because that word got thrown a lot of, around a lot as well last year. We had scares of foot and mouth disease, lumpy skin disease, and also the first outbreak in Australia of varroa mite. And more than six months after Victoria first banned bees from New South Wales, following the detection in New South Wales, beekeepers are struggling to bounce back. Bean pretty terrible and the, and the cold has just meant that there's been very little honey produced so the bees their health taken a real hit and and of course we we are like any other farmer and, and the bees are our babies and um we get very concerned when their health goes bad too so it's it's had a fair toll on us we'll check in with the beekeepers today also agricultural shows in 2023 are set to get a bit dirtier it's not what you think. It's grains and soil competitions coming into ag shows. We'll talk a bit more about that. And also, we love talking about the rain here on the Country Hour. It's one of our favourite topics. And finding out what's being tipped out of rain gauges across the state. It's just started raining here in Wodonga as of maybe half an hour ago or so. So we're already seeing a little bit of rain for 2023 here. But as we reflect on the year 2022... We now get to talk about some of the big rain total numbers. So the yearly rain totals. We'd love to hear yours today. How much rain did you get last year in 2022? I'm expecting some pretty big numbers. You can give us a call on 1300 295 2. That's 1300 295 2. Or send us a text on 0467 842 the Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. Now, 2022 has wrapped up, and when we look back on this year, one of the biggest themes was water. A third year of La Nina, widespread flooding, and many people saw big rainfall totals for the year. And like I said, we're keen to hear yours as well today, so text them in or give us a call. But one person that we spoke to during this year was Andrew Watson, who lives just outside Albury-Wodonga along the Murray River. Now, for eight weeks this year, his property was underwater, essentially. His cows were sent off in a gist for 12 weeks and at one point he was kayaking in and out to get access from their house out of back into town to get supplies. So to kick us off on our yearly rain totals discussion today, Andrew joins us. Andrew, welcome to the Country Hour. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> Thanks for having a chat with us. Now tell us a little bit about how much rain you've had for your year this year. Like what's your yearly oh, rain yeah. total? Yep, year to date we've had 975 mils from January 1 to December, end of December. Most of that was made up of a big January-February dump and then I think 500 mils from August till November. So our average average rainfall is only about 500, so we're nearly double. So you nearly doubled your average this year. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. It is huge and um, I think most people in this upper northeast, upper Murray, southern New South Wales would be the same. Um, I'll be glad 2022 is gone. Um, I gave a good riddance on on New Year's Eve because I don't want to see that again. But let's just hope 2023 is normal. But 
I don't know what normal is anymore. Yeah. So 500 mils between August to November, that's a huge battering in those few months there. Yeah, it was. And it was just continually wet the whole time and um, lack of sun, pastures didn't do that well. The sugars didn't get going in the grass. The cattle didn't do that well. Sheep definitely didn't do that well. Um, and being on the river, of course, we copped the flooding. So two volumes of Lake Hume went past us, so that's how much water we copped here. But the country's responded. It's um, a lot of green stuff coming now, some good, some bad. But, yeah, some people wouldn't even know we're flooded. But um, it's been an interesting 12 months, I could say. Hmm. How does it compare to other years you've had out there? Oh, it, it, it's the wettest by a long way. Um, 2021... We had some floods, but nothing like what we had this year. And we had eight weeks of continuous flooding and rainfall. It just didn't stop. Um, and we sent 400 cows away on adjustment, and we thought they'd be away for three weeks. They're away for 12. Mm. So it's just, yeah, it was continuous. And it's still, like in the upper Murray, I've still got these oven adjustment up there. It's still green. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is January and should be hot and dry and 40 degrees, but just won't even get there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's just seeing a bit of greenery around at the moment, which is, yeah, very different at this time of year. Um, you said that you sort of said goodbye to 2022, put it behind you, but when you look back on it, how would you sum it up as, as the year? Oh, it was a year of watching the rainfall, especially on the river, and watching the um, releases out of Lake Hume and trying to work out what they're going to do because that was our hardest thing because we just... Being Lake Hume so full and 2,000 acres on the river, most of it will go under. We just had to watch and just see what the releases were. And we thought we got away with it until right at the end when the Upper Murray got 150 mils and they spooked themselves and released about 50,000 in two days. So, But we live in a floodplain, we understand that. But um, yeah, it was a nervous, nervous 12 months, I'd call it. And how's your place looking at the moment? Is much recovered, like you said? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's where the water laid on the country. Most of that's gone. There's a lot of summer grass come. Um, the cattle are chasing that at the moment because they're short and green. And, of course, we'll get all the weeds, all the burrs and Nagura burr, Bathurst burr, and some, there'll be some weird stuff we haven't even seen before. But we made hay last week off our pivot because we all went under, but we actually got some hay off. So no, we're all right considering. Fences and roads are okay. It's just the perennial pastures got knocked around a bit, but we'll just crank up the drill next March, April, and just, yeah, replace them. Go again. And you, um, you had to move hundreds of, your, hundreds of your cattle off onto adjustment this year. Have they all come home now? Are they all back on the property? Yep. So we moved 400 cows and calves. Um, they're all back home. They're all healthy. We didn't have any losses, no issues with trucking. It was, yeah, it worked like clockwork. We had, I think... Five B doubles every Monday for about three weeks, bringing home cows and calves, and we appreciate the people that helped us out with that. Most of them up at Holbrook, um, friends and colleagues, and um, it was good. So those calves are back on mum now. We thought we'd be weaning as soon as they got home, but with the green grass here, we probably won't. We'll wean another month, but it's nearly normal. But yeah, not not the year we've just had. And what's in store for 2023? Do you think? Oh. I don't ever sound like a pessimist, but I don't trust it. Um, there's talk of um, El Nino and a drying period. I wouldn't mind a hot, dry summer just to dry everything out and let the soil mineralise and get back to normal. But 
I mean, it's about to rain here now, and it's not going to do that, I don't think. So, but yeah, I don't know what normal is anymore. There seems to be more extremes, more summer storms, and more big events. And we just got to farm accordingly, whether that means putting in more summer grazing options or it's a tricky one, but you just got to adapt with what's been thrown at you. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for chatting to us all year and keeping us up to date uh, with what's been happening out at your place. It's been a real challenge, challenging year for you, it sounds like, and hopefully 2023 is a bit kinder. Yeah, no, thanks for that. And thanks for the update during the year and I'll hopefully put the kayak away and I won't see it for 12 <laughs> months, but you never know. Anyway, you never know. Good to have a chat. Yeah. Andrew, thanks so much. Right, thank you. Catch up. Bye. That is Andrew Watson. He's a cattle farmer just outside Aubrey-Wodonga. We've spoken to him a few times, catching up with him on the Country Hour throughout the year and sort of going through those floods. And hopefully he can put the kayak away now for a little bit there. But 975 mils total for the year where Andrew is. That's quite a lot of rain, about 500 mils of it uh, in about from August to November. So just in those few months there over spring. An absolute hammering there. But keen to hear keep to hear your rainfall totals as well for the year. Keep them coming or tell us a bit about, I guess, what you think 2023 might bring as well. Andrew hoping for a bit more of an average year, whatever that may be. But also like, like to hear what you hope for for 2023 as well. You can give us a call on 1300 295 or send us a text on 0467842722. And plenty of people have been texting in. Thank you for everybody. Uh, their yearly rain totals of the year. Tim in Walbundry says that he has had 842.5 mils for the year, 103 days of recorded rain. Thanks for that, Tim. So Walbundry just across the border in New South Wales there. Uh, and this one is pretty big. Uh, I don't know if I've seen one bigger than this yet. So maybe we've got a, the, the country our record so far. See if anyone can top this. But Cam says, uh, out, at, out at his mum and dad's place in Osborne's flat, so just outside Yakindanda, they've recorded 1,575 mils for the year. 1,575, that's the number to beat so far. Dean in Mount Beauty, uh, also in the thousands. He says he had 1,534.5 mils for the year, so quite a lot of rain in that northeast area this year. Uh, Kylie on the text line as well. Hi, Kylie. She says uh, 5.2 mils of rain at Daysdale, north of Corowa, since 9am today. So nice little local update from today. Still raining and 751 mils for 2022. Thanks for that, Kylie. Um, Rod says 720 mils at Woodhouse. So that's out near Hamilton and Penhurst. Uh, 720 mils for the year out there. And Mal from Allendale near Creswick had 756 mils and been bogged 37 times. <laughs> but we need more rain now. Thanks for that, Mal. Uh, also, Liz up in Beechworth. Hi, Liz. Good afternoon. She says that they've had 1,479 mils for the year. Happy New Year. And Elizabeth uh, in Willem South, so out in Gippsland, says 1,092 mills for the year. That's a huge amount of rain. Uh, I also believe we've got someone called in to this afternoon to have a quick chat. Uh, Brian from Warrigal. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon. How much rain yeah. have you had for the year? Uh, well, actually, for the 
for the year we've had um, 1,280, which is about 51 and a quarter inches. And uh, that's the highest rainfall since 1956. Wow. And it's the fifth, fifth highest on record. Yes, yes. Wow. So that's, yeah, that's quite a lot of rain. So the highest since what year was that again? Sorry, Brian, 1956 was, a, yeah, yeah. Wow. Was last one. Wow. Yes, and what's yes. it looking like in Warrigal at the moment? Oh, well, well, it's coming up black. It looks like it might rain again, I think. Yeah, but uh, no, it's quite green. All the uh, the hay and silage has all been put back, so they're still doing a bit of silage and hay's yet to come. So, yeah, yes. Have you lived yeah. in Warrigal a long time, Brian? Um, yeah, fourth generation around Warrigal, so yeah, we've been here since 120 years. I've got records back to 1895. Yes, yes, so... Wow. So, yes, you've got a lot of data that you can go through there and have a look at. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. And I always bring it to the ABC at sale with the rainfall, so... Good on you. Yeah. What, yeah, do, you, what yeah. do you predict for 2023, Brian? Do you think it's going to be a dry I would, year? I wouldn't predict anything. I don't predict anything. But uh, you've got to remember here, we're never far off our average of about 41 inches, so you just go on the average. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Brian, thanks for the call and Happy New Year. Yeah, no worries, and Happy New Year to, and also to all the listeners, especially the sale ones. Especially the sale Thank ones. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. That's Brian from Warrigal there. He's been looking at all the rain totals for the year, and yeah, highest rain total they've had in what more than sixty or nearly seventy years at Warrigal at the moment. Keep them coming. If you'd like to share your yearly rain totals from the year, we love to hear them. You can give us a call, like Brian, on one three hundred. Two nine five triple two is the talkback number, or send us a text on zero four six seven eight four two seven double two. We'll give it a read out. On ABC Radio Victoria, this is the Victorian Country Hour. Now, more than six months after Victoria first banned bees from New South Wales, following the detection of varroa mite in New South in Newcastle, sorry, the border still remains tightly locked down, and that's been crippling for beekeepers who traditionally operate both sides of the border, according to Central Victorian beekeeper Peter McDonald. He says the closure is affecting both bee health and the beekeepers' hip pocket. It's got quite a large impact, really. It's um, it's had a had a huge impact, especially because we've had we've come through probably one of the worst starts to a beekeeping year that that I can remember, um, and and my mother as well. It's uh, we go back a fair way, and um, just that cold, wet spring coupled with the floods, it, it's mean we've had a we've had a terrible year, and varroa um, being found up in Newcastle, New South Wales in June, uh, and the consequent restrictions and especially the border closures. Um, has really compounded the difficulties we've had. So it's uh, had a dramatic impact on both the bees and the beekeepers. Okay, so even if we didn't have this varroa outbreak and this subsequent and long-lasting border closure, you you would have had a shock a year anyway. Oh, absolutely. It's it's um yeah the the cold and the wet and coupled with the floods, um we would have had a terrible year. Um and and it's sort of it. It's provided a lot of difficulties, and especially for bees in New South Wales, and, and quite a lot of Victorian beekeepers like myself, uh, we use that Southern Riverina, Southern and Western Riverina area of New South Wales quite extensively, especially in springtime. There's been beehive losses through floods, 
There's been beehives that, like, we had bees we just couldn't get to for two months through the peak of the year and couldn't manage them. Um, so their health has gone backwards as flowers have gone off and, and sitting in water. So it's been pretty terrible. And the, and the cold has just meant that there's been very little honey produced. So the bees, their health's taken a real hit. And, and of course, we, we are like any other farmer and, and the bees are our babies. And um, we get very concerned when their health goes bad too. So it's, it's had a fair toll on us. And, and border restrictions or the, or the ban on bees coming back from New South Wales to Victoria and the coupled with the floods has meant we've been had, had very limited options as where we could take the bees. So, so some of them we just haven't been able to move and they've been in very poor conditions and yeah, it's, it's just compounded everything. So it's been really hard. And if you can't get those beehives and those bees to areas where there is plenty of pollen on offer, and as we move into next year and as as it gets cooler and then into winter, what's that going to mean for their food stores and for their health? Well, that's, that's uh, this this next six months. So coming from January through towards winter, um, it's a critical period. It's always every year is a critical period for for bees and beekeepers. We've got to make sure that the bees have have good access to pollen. Um, and good access to, to honey to, to put stores of food on through winter. And if we can't prepare them right for winter, then they'll be they'll be in poor condition going into winter. And consequently, they'll be they'll be very poor in terms of health when they come out of winter. And that's that has a wider impact for Victoria as a whole, because once we come out and into into spring, that's when the peak pollination period is, and and we need heaps of healthy bees um, to to start pollinating crops from August onwards. Almonds are the, are the first pollination crop that, that comes off the, off the rack uh, for Victoria and um, they, they start in August and we need good bees by August. That means we've got to spend the next six months preparing our bees and make them as healthy as possible. So you're calling for that border closure to be lifted imminently? Oh, absolutely. New South Wales have come out and declared wider New South Wales is free of varroa. So we need, there's a little bit of flour and a little bit of honey now in the areas where the floods have passed through, like specifically the river red gum and the black boxes. So where it's already passed through and the flood levels have gone down, we can get in close to those trees and get some, some pollen and honey. That's going to be gone by the end of January. So we need access to more flowers from the end of January onwards and there will be more flowers here in Victoria. Our grey box and red stringy bark trees especially will be flowering around that time, and we, we need that. That is essential for us to, to keep the bees healthy and also potentially generate a little bit of income and, and sort of make up some of the losses that, that we've all had through this, this past terrible spring. So we, we would like the, the Victorian government to actually decide to allow us to bring bees back from New South Wales so we can ensure they're healthy going into winter and, and for the pollination season next year. And throughout this, the duration of the outbreak, you and others have been working with Agriculture Victoria and I, I suppose supportive of what they've done maybe to this point, but what, what are they saying to you now? We're absolutely supportive of Agricultural Victoria's efforts and the New South Wales DPI. We've been, the honeybee industry um, and, and my family in particular, have, have been working really closely with all, gov- all levels of government to come up with this plan for over 20 years. And uh, so we've, we've worked really hard. We agree with the response plan. We're, we're fully supportive. But it's reached a point where, where it's contained to the Newcastle area, the varroa mite, 
and they're still finding little odd little pockets of varroa in one or two hives, but it's contained there, and the wider industry needs to move. We're a mobile industry. Bees are a flying insect. They don't care about rivers. Um, they don't care about lines on the map, and, and the forests and the flowers are on both sides of the river. We Every year, we cross borders, and we need to be able to do that again. Otherwise, we're going to be yeah, dramatically hit, and, and the beekeeping industry as a whole, and the flow-on effects for, for pollination-dependent industries will, will be large. So, we, yeah, we need that help, and the help we need is to, to let us chase the flowers again across borders. That was Central Victorian beekeeper Peter McDonald speaking with Angus Furley there. And Agriculture Victoria has been contacted for a comment. It is 25 past 12. You're listening to the Victorian Country Hour. Annie Brown is my name. It's good to have your company this afternoon. Now, while we're still away from show season, in 2023, expect to see a lot more dirt at your local ag show. Agricultural Shows Australia is providing grants to show to show, show societies to put on soil judging competitions. The ASA Executive Officer Katie Stanley tells Megan Hughes the Grains, Oilseeds, Pulses and Soils Learning Program is to get young Australians focusing more on the mo- more <laughs> focusing on one of the more important parts of farming, which is obviously soil. So what happened with this grant is that there was enough money for our state affiliates, which are the state bodies that look after all agricultural shows, the the small regional agricultural shows in each state. They were provided with $3,000 so that at the state level they could assist some of their groups of shows, so more so in a group level, to get that grains and soils competitions up and running they got three thousand dollars for the state affiliates and that three thousand dollars will allow them to get the resources that they need to put grain competitions throughout different groups of shows so for example in new south wales up in group 13 that we you know there's about 12 different shows up there and they will they will do those competitions at a group level the royal shows also had a grant for three thousand dollars Um, again, to put together enough resources um, that they need to put on a grains and soils competition. That's obviously at the next level. It's more so once they've got through a group level, they then go to a state competition, which is always uh, run at a royal show. So there was um, a bit of a trial that happened in South Australia, if I'm correct. How did that all work? Yeah, we had a trial of our soils competition because it's probably the newest competition that hasn't been run before. A couple of the other states run grains competitions sort of haphazardly. The soils competition is very, very new. So we had to, we worked with Soil Science Australia and we put together um, a criteria around what, you know, how to, how to judge soils. So we took different core samples of soils and they did it where they invited a couple of people, a couple of people who'd never done soil judging before and a couple of people who potentially ha- were doing it as part of, you know, Soil Science Australia said, oh, these people have, you know, had a bit of knowledge around soils. So it was really interesting to get people who'd never done anything to do with soils and people who had. And they ran the competition purely with physical samples and classifying the different samples into soil types and 
then they spoke on how they classified them and why they classified them in the in those particular soil types and they were and they were judged on their justification and how and what their end outcome for that soil type was we believe that we can roll that trial out across all the states so with the people taking part in these competitions what are you hoping that they take away from it i guess the aim of of understanding what different soil types produce and how those different soil types can be managed as well. The hope is that if we can get younger people, you know, those that haven't necessarily got to the university age, interested in soils, it's just another avenue of agriculture that we hope students will go into because, as we all know, if we want to produce the food, well, endless food, you know, not over the next 100 years but continually, Soil and the management of soil is imperative to the future of farming. As Agricultural Shows Australia Executive Officer Katie Stanley speaking to Megan Hughes there. So maybe some more soil competitions we'll see in the local ag shows in 2023. Still to come on the Country Hour today, we will take a look back on the year 2022 for the wool industry. It was a year anyone trying to sell crossbred wool might prefer to forget prefer to forget but right across the industry there's been a fair complement of challenges so we'll talk through some of those challenges and if you are hungry we're going to step into the kitchen because one of the engine rooms of the grain harvest of course is in the kitchen where meals are pumped out to keep the workforce fed and working so we'll check in with some of those people who've been doing the hard yards in the kitchen during harvest making sure that everybody is fed and well taken care of and find out what they've been making over the harvest period uh, but also keep your text coming in with today we are talking yearly rainfall totals for the year 2022 how much rain did you get at your place last year and I'm loving this so many people are texting in with uh, all these huge numbers that we are seeing uh, Paul uh, in Willatook so north of Port Ferry says that for the year they had 842 millimeters uh, Scott out at Hamilton says 944 mils uh, and Tom from Sunny Trentham says 1328 mils for the year not the highest but close. Thanks for that, Tom. Uh, and Evan f- says 924 millimetres in Painesville for the year. So quite a lot of rain. Uh, and I think we've got a new record come in on the text line at least uh, for what we've been hearing today of what's been the biggest amount of rain for, for the year 2022. So the number to beat before that, so the biggest rainfall total thus far came from Osborne's Flat, which saw a total of 1,575 mils, so up near Yakindanda. Uh, but also in the northeast, uh, Stanley near Beechworth. So just outside Beechworth, someone has texted in saying, we've recorded 1,871 mils of rain this year. This equates to over 74 inches in the old scale. So that is a huge number and possibly the number we still have to beat today, if you can beat that. Uh, We'd love to hear from you on the Country Hour today. You can give me a call if you're willing to have a chat. The number is 1300 295 222 or send us a text on 0467 822 722. Now we are a few minutes late, apologies, but it's time to check in now to find out what is making regional news headlines with Rio Davis.
Good afternoon, Annie. Making news around regional Victoria, searchers have recovered the body of a man who went missing whilst swimming in the state's northeast yesterday afternoon. The man was swimming with friends near Jerusalem Creek Track at Lake Eildon when he appeared to get into difficulty and disappeared underwater at around half past four in the afternoon. A body was recovered this morning, believed to be the 34-year-old man. A report is being prepared for the coroner. Hundreds of homes and businesses remain without power in central and northern Victoria after thunderstorms swept through the region. Homes and businesses around Mildura, Bendigo, Birchip and Echuca are among those without electricity. Power is expected to be restored by 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mildura's flood response is moving to recovery with water levels in the Murray River subsiding after peaking 11 days ago. Today, the Mildura Incident Control Centre will close and Mildura Rural City Council will be given responsibility of managing the long-term recovery process. The council will also monitor key levees for signs of wear and tear with help from Lower Murray Water. Victorians will now require a referral from a general practitioner to access a COVID-19 PCR test. The state government has stopped funding PCR testing at public hospitals and say free rapid antigen tests are available instead. But some regional health services say a rising number of COVID cases mean free PCR testing may need to return in the future. And an alleged hit and run on the New South Wales-Victoria border has left a pedestrian fighting for life in hospital. Police say a car struck the female pedestrian after a fight broke out in Cobram just after half past 12 in the morning on New Year's Day. It's alleged the 21-year-old woman behind the wheel of the car fled the scene, then later handed herself into police. She's been charged with dangerous driving causing serious injury and will face the Shepparton Magistrates Court later this week. For more regional news at any time, you can visit www.abc.net.au forward slash rural. That is Rio Davis bringing us the latest from the regional news headlines. Uh, You'll hear the next news update at 1pm after the Country Hour from the ABC Newsroom. Right now, though, time to find out what is happening with the weather outside. We're joined by Michael Efron from the Bureau of Meteorology. Good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon, Annie. So, uh, first of all, we should get to what the rain today, although I will say, Michael, we've been talking today about yearly rain totals across the state of Victoria, people texting in some pretty big numbers and mostly from the northeast of the state. Uh, and we can get to that in a second. But first of all, what's happening today with the rain? Yeah, so we've had some thunderstorm activity already uh, during the early hours uh, of the morning. And then around uh, six or seven this morning, we, we saw further Thunderstorm activity, uh, especially near the Bendigo region, so those uh, spots uh, between Bendigo and Seymour. Saw some heavier rainfall uh, around Specimen Hill Reservoir, just west of Bendigo, 14 millimetres, and then at Greytown, uh, just to the northwest of Seymour, 25 millimetres there. So quite localised. We didn't see much uh, to the north or south, but uh, we are still seeing thunderstorm activity across the far northeast and also. Uh, closer to Melbourne as well. And I think through the rest of this afternoon, we'll see that activity becoming more extensive um, and slowly contract east as well. But for western and southwestern parts of the state, uh, it should stay mostly dry. We do have a, a southwesterly wind change, which is currently uh, over uh, the west of the state at the moment. So uh, places like uh, Portland, Warrnambool, Hamilton are in that uh, cooler southerly airstream at the moment and they won't get too much warmer through uh, the rest of 
uh, today. So Warrnambool only up to 20. Hamilton 25, Ballarat uh, 31. But through the north and east, uh, very warm conditions, uh, even into the low 40s through uh, the northwest, Mildura 41, Swan Hill 38. So uh, with those hot conditions, we do have a, a fire weather warning out for the Mallee District. Uh, we do have uh, extreme fire danger uh, in that district uh, for today. And also pretty gusty northerly winds through uh, some parts of uh, the central ranges as well. Also a major flood warning still for the Murray uh, in uh, the northwest of the state. Uh, in terms of uh, those temperatures uh, overnight tonight into Tuesday, we should see that southerly change pushing through eastern parts. So uh, it does look like um, we'll be more comfortable across the state. Temperatures uh, dropping to about 15 or 16 degrees. And then on Tuesday afternoon, fairly warm uh, again through the north temperatures in the high 20s to low 30s and in the south the high teens to low 20s. There will be some showers in the south and also through eastern parts. I think northeast Victoria could see some severe thunderstorm activity through Tuesday afternoon. But through the northwest of the state it should be dry and mostly sunny. And then on Wednesday we do see pretty settled conditions in the north and northwest. Temperatures there in the high 20s. In the south high teens to low 20s with a few showers around, so quite cool uh, through southern parts on Wednesday. Mm. And then it clears up heading into Thursday. There is a, a warming trend towards the weekend. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday look like uh, dry days, but just getting warmer each day. Thursday, uh, high 20s to low 30s in the north, low to mid-20s in the south. Friday, mid-20s in the south, low to mid-30s through the north. And then for the weekend, we're looking at the high 20s to low 30s in the south and mid-30s across northern parts, but uh, fairly active conditions uh, today mm. and through Tuesday into uh, northeastern Victoria. Have we seen any hail today, Michael, or are we expecting to see hail? I uh, haven't had any reports, but, of course, uh, with very tropical warm air mass uh, across the state, uh, there is a potential for some large hail with those storms. So... Um, if any of your listeners do uh, observe any of that, then we'd, we'd love to see uh, those images via uh, the Twitter, uh, our Twitter handle um, if, if they do spot any of that. But yeah. <laughs> hopefully it uh, doesn't cause any, any damage, of course, with um, uh, stone fruit. Yeah, uh, we saw some, Victoria some terrible Victoria. damage before Christmas, didn't we, with some of that hail? Yeah, with the stone fruit particularly. Yeah. Um, and so we've been talking today about yearly rainfall totals for the year 2022. I think the highest we've received on the text line was from Stanley in northeast Victoria that received 1,871 millimetres of rain last year, so 74 inches in the old scale. Um, do you, does the Bureau of Meteorology record the yearly rain total for the state of Victoria and has had a look at that yet? I know it's only the yeah, 2nd so of January, but... <laughs> yeah, the official data will be out uh, in the next few days, but uh, absolutely um, one of the uh, the wettest years on record. Not everywhere in Victoria, but mm. uh, some parts. Just looking, actually, the Wimmera... Uh, Mallee was where we saw some parts see their highest uh, rainfall on record uh, for the year, and also not far from Ballarat, uh, some places 
broke their uh, annual uh, record as well. And in terms of those totals, we, we did see um, some parts of the Otways and then also into the northeast uh, exceed 1,800 uh, millimetres. So I'd say uh, around where Corona in the Otways and then also uh, up around uh, Falls Creek, Mount Buffalo, and then uh, not far from uh, Lake Yildon as well would have seen those totals over uh, 1,800 millimetres, so uh, exceptionally wet uh, conditions, but uh, it's less likely that we'll see that repeated this year with the La Nina breaking down and, and also the Indian Ocean back to mm. more um, neutral conditions. So we can expect a, a drier 2023 than 2022? I right? think so. Yes. Yeah, it, it's unlikely that, that we'll see uh, conditions as, as wet as what we saw last year. Hmm. Um, how would you summarise 2022 in a couple of words, Michael? <laughs> uh, hectic. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Very hectic. Yeah. Very busy at the Bureau. <laughs> um, is there anything else we need to know about the weather today? Uh, no, just that there, there is some relief on the way with that cool change, but also um, be aware of those storms um, moving across the state um, this afternoon. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Annie. Thanks. That's Michael Efron from the Bureau of Meteorology there giving us the rundown on the weather for today. So still a bit more rain to come, but a little bit of relief to come later in the week. Uh, and like I said, we have been talking yearly rainfall totals today on the Country Hour, and I'm loving all these texts coming in from all corners of the state of Victoria today. Uh, if you have one to join in as well and chuck into the list, we'd love to hear it. You can send us a text on 0467842722. That's the text line. Uh, and I'll read some of them now. Peter has texted you. He says, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's to you too, Peter. 937 mils at Nullivale, Central Victoria. 30-year average is 620 mils. So, yes, exceptionally wet this year. Bernie from Barranduda says 1,133 mils or 44.6 inches in the old scale, the highest since he moved there 28 years ago. So that's, wow, that's a very wet year out at Barranduda. So that's just outside Aubrey-Wodonga as well. Uh, and also uh, David in Coleraine. Happy New Year, David. He says 640.5 mils in Coleraine for the year 2022. Uh, Jonathan uh, in in the Strathbogie Ranges says 1,299 mils for the year. Pretty good year. And 942 mils at Greytown near Ngambi. Uh, 600 mils since July 1st to year end. Third highest record since 1856. 575 mil average. That's Neil from Greytown. Thanks for sending that in, Neil. And Tony in Mansfield. Uh, good afternoon to you, Tony. He says 942.5 millimetres of rain for the year. So some huge numbers coming in there. A uh, few places clocking into the four digits <laughs> there. But still, thus far, the biggest rainfall total has been Stanley that we've been sent in. So if you can beat 1,000... 871 mils of rain for the year or over 74 inches in the old scale. We'd love to hear from you this afternoon. The text line is 0467842722. You're listening to the Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. 
You sure are, and it is quarter to one, so 15 minutes left of the country hour, and we often talk about highs and lows at this time of year, mostly highs at the moment, and the split is perhaps more evident in the wool industry than anywhere else. It was a year anyone trying to sell crossbred wool might prefer to forget, but right across the industry, there's been a fair amount of challenges. Peter Somerville caught up with Fox and Lily's Corowa and District Regional Manager Jenny Turner to recap the year that was for the wool industry in 2022. 2022 has been characterised by turmoil globally and at home Hanrahan would have been in his element. Um, producers have been battling pestilence and loss production that, that has accompanied the extended extreme wet conditions um, this has upset the flow of wool into store, although that seems to be writing itself a bit now. Um, and on the global on the global front, the challenges have been um, many: war in the Ukraine, rising energy costs, COVID in China, rising interest rates, um, foot and mouth outbreaks, and the the fear associated with that. So there's been a lot of juggling balls in the air which has presented really high-level challenges for businesses. To pick up on Hanrahan, um, have we all been ruined this year? <laughs> well, I think some, certainly some um, elements of the um, agricultural industry yeah, w- would be empathising with Hanrahan at the moment. From a wool perspective, we are at relatively low levels compared to pre-COVID, Although the EMI finished at 1327, uh, this time last year it was 1358. It peaked in June at 1474 and the lowest point was 1224. So we've had a 250 cent range for the year. The average was 1360. If we drill down onto a micron level, we've closed the 17 micron MPG is at the 70.6 decile. Now, that means that that MPG has traded at or below that level for that percentage of the time since 2005. So that's, you know, above average. The 19.5 indicator is at 74.1. But for crossbred producers, of course, it's been pretty dismal. We're now at the 0.1% decile, and that has been trading at the zero decile for quite some time. Now, the EMI not far off at where it was this time last year, but there really was a, a bit of a last-minute run to the finish line, wasn't it, there? It, yeah, there certainly was. We we gained just over 100 cents in the last two weeks. Is that unusual? Well, in wool market terms, it's not that unusual, but these little flurries of activity um, has been a characteristic of the market this year. It's been relatively stable but just marked by these marked by these short bursts uh, and then it seems to come back a bit maybe to take that a bit further it might be hard to quantify but uh, the wool market's not one known for stability how volatile were things this year do you think it was a more or less volatile than usual year 
Well, that's a good question. I think we were relatively low in volatility. For the poor old crossbred producers, things were very stable, although a little bit of volatility would have been welcomed, I think. Um, but for a lot of the part of the year, there, there was quite a slim range in that EMI. Yes, we've had a 250 cent range over the year, but for the most part, I, I would suggest that 2022 has been quite, has been quite stable comparatively. And what about on the production side of things, those factors that have um, affected producers' ability to grow wool and get it off the sheep? There's the big wet, there was a shearer shortage, shipping issues. Um, What held the industry back the most this year in your eyes? I think um, if you speak to producers, the biggest challenge on the wool production front would definitely be the shearer shortage coming into... Um, into the, the, the warmer months now with the wet weather, there's real risk of, of flies and worms and feet. So I think that we've seen in the sale yards that there's lower prices on sheep and lambs. And I think that represents, you know, a fair bit of concern from producers that they can, um, that they can look after those animals over the next few months because it will be tough. And are we making progress on that issue, on the shearer shortage? Have things improved at all throughout the year? Well, it is my understanding that in some parts of the some parts of the country, things aren't too bad. South Australia and Victoria seem to be going okay, but New South Wales is where the concentration of, of need really is. Um, even just locally, a lot of the shearers that live locally work on farms so they're, you know, helping on the harvest at the moment. So there's, yeah, a lot of areas drawing out of the same pool. To take a step back a bit and, and a bit of a broader look, it is an industry um, heavily reliant on exports. Uh, where are things at in those various markets around the world? Well, on the export side of things, um, China still obviously takes the lion's share um, of the wool purchases. However, one of the one of the really nice things about uh, the, the last twelve months in the wool market has been a bit of a renaissance from Italy um, and and Europe in general. Italy ha- came back and was um, buying quite a lot of wool, which which supported statistically very high prices in the fine wools. They reached capacity, however, so these prices subsidi- um, subsided. But that demand from Europe supported our market further upstream because the China buyers exporting wool tops into Europe were kept busy by that demand and they were then insulated somewhat from from their local domestic consumption, which was quite low. So that's been, you know, that's been really good news to have um, to have Europe, you know, really starting to do things in the industry again as it has traditionally. If we take a bit of a look forward, Jenny, now that we're into 2023, how do you think things will play out this year? Are we going to see more of the same issues pervading or will things change? Well, we have, it is always an unknown as to what's going to happen in terms of China and their recovery from COVID-19. Whilst their doors are back open for business, no doubt it will take some time to for everyone to get well. Plenty of modelling has been done to indicate that the, the COVID surge will create significant volumes of fatalities in China. 
Various reports we have read estimate 600,000 on the low side to over a million on the top side. So hopefully for the sake of individuals, you know, it's, it's lower rather than higher. But this is also a very important driver in the, in the wool market. So, you know, given that it may take time for China to recover, it still may well be stop and start for us. And I'm sure that will um, flow right back through to prices. Uh, Jenny, I can't have you on speaking about this and not ask you, uh, what was your highlight for the year or what's the thing you'll remember 2022 for? Um, I will remember 2022 definitely for the production challenges. That's been that's been the most interesting. My heart goes out to growers that I that I have who have bales of wool in shed with a foot of that are sitting in a foot of water, uh, not being able to get up driveways because of too wet conditions. So that yeah, that's been I don't know whether that's a good highlight, but that's definitely been something different. As far as highlights go, you know, there has been some tremendous fine wool prices and I've sold some some lots for growers um, with responsible wool standard certification and they've achieved some pretty fantastic prices at auction. So, yeah, I would consider that to be yeah, pretty heartening. That was wool broker Jenny Turner speaking there with Peter Somerville, wrapping up the wool industry's year for 2022. It is six minutes to one. You're listening to the Victorian Country Hour. Annie Brown is my name. Keep your texts coming in. We are talking yearly rain totals for the year 2022 today. How much rain did you tip out of your rain gauge through all of last year? Uh, your total rain total. So thank you for everyone who's texted in today. I'm loving seeing so many texts come in on the text line. Uh, Alex in Savanac, uh good afternoon, Alex. He says 22 mils so far today because it is still raining at the moment and 835 mils for the year. Annual average 450 mils. So that's more than double, nearly double. Mm, no, just just under double your average annual rainfall there out at Savanac. So still quite a lot of rain. Uh, Rob out in Chilton. Good afternoon, Rob. He says 1,374 mils for the year. Out at Skipton, they've seen 742 mils. And Graham from Liga, I hope I said that right, Graham, uh, 663.5 mils. Uh, also, afternoon to Doug in Horsham. He says, G'day, Annie. Rainfall for Horsham 2022, 688 mils. Pales against Stanley, but a record for the Wimmera. That's still quite a lot of rain, isn't it, though, Doug? Is, but almost double, or no, almost triple up in Stanley in the northeast of Victoria for the year, but no surprises there at being a heavy rainfall area. Uh, also, Leah from Mount Taylor in East Gippsland uh, says 986.6 mils for 2022, whereas last year we received 1,009.8. The paddocks have been saturated like everywhere. Being bogged became the normal. Let's hope prices hold for 2023. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for all your texts coming in. You can keep them coming very quickly, 0467-842-722. But lastly today, if you were listening to The Country Out on Friday, you might have caught a bit of the action when we broadcasted live from the Dumball Country Camp Draft in South, in South Gippsland. Well, in case you're wondering how it all played out over New Year's, we have caught up with organiser Ian Hengstberger to find out who were the winners and who were the runners-up. He told Peter Somerville that Mark Ruff, who you might have heard speaking on Friday, did pretty well. 
well, how did it go? I think it was it went pretty well, really. A, a lot of positive feedback. Um, you know, it, it was good. We've got um, we, we, our main feature event is the Dumbo Country Longhorn Open, and it was um, it was a good uh, final, and with twenty eight competitors in that, and um, with the uh, winner being Mark Ruff, um, he had to win right off. There was a ride off at the end with Peter Bolton. And uh, Mark Ruff luckily came out on top. So that was fantastic result, really. What's a write-off? What does that mean? A run- well, run-off, write-off, run-off, where, where two people are on the same score and they have to go back into the camp and select another beast and they get judged again on, you know, the, you know they've, got to, they've got to keep going around until someone's a clear winner. So you can have equals in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, but you you keep run off you keep having to run off until you have a clear winner at the top. Does that mean it was pretty close? Yes, definitely, definitely close scores. There was only probably a variation of about you know three or four points going into the into the final over the whole twenty eight riders. Yeah, um, which was out of they've already had three rounds, so those scores all combined. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's very close. Yeah, would have been great to see. And, and was it so close uh, in the other categories as well? Yeah, every, every every event I think, except for the shootouts, had a um, had, had a runoff basically, and the, and the kids and the and all the maidens didn't. But yeah, but all the others, all the other events, there was nearly a runoff in in every event, which you know just uh, you know the quality of the cattle that our cattle owners supplied us were very even. Um, which which makes for an exciting finals and and, and and an exciting viewing for all, you know, really, yeah. Yeah, of course. Can you run us through a couple of the winners uh, in those other key categories? Yep, for sure. Like um, in our open shootout, which was a new event, uh, Kenny Bolton won that and, and his son Peter came second. So that was, a, you know, good for the family. In the um, novice for novice, Georgia Goff uh, come first in that uh, and... Jack Shanahan come second in the ladies' event. A, a lady by the name of Marnie Hamilton, she came first, and Shelley Ruff come second. And naturally, the the main event, the Longhorn Open, it uh, was was Mark Ruff, and he rode off against Peter Bolton, and Mark came out on top. So yeah, it was a uh, it was a fantastic final series at the end on the last day. And what happens for you now? You've uh, invested a lot of time and energy into uh, getting an event up and running where you had nearly 2,000 rides. Uh, what happens now? You start looking to next year after the clean-up? Well, it would be, be big for your yeah, team. Yeah, we do, but we've got to, you know, it takes a couple of days to clean up and, and it, you, know, you need another day to recharge your battery, but you're, you're always planning ahead and, and you come out of it with different ideas, you know, not not necessarily bigger and better but just things to make it probably easier for for everybody concerned there's a lot of work goes on behind the scenes there's a lot of people behind the scenes that contribute to it you know like you might be talking to me now but i can tell you there's 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 you know half a dozen people behind the scenes that really do probably as much if not more than me that was ian hengstberger recapping the action from the dumbalk country camp draft that happened over new year's That's all the time we have for today on the Country Hour. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back tomorrow at midday. Make sure you tune into the Rural Report at quarter past six tomorrow morning. But right now it is one o'clock. Time to get the latest from the ABC Newsroom. Have a great afternoon.